Hello and welcome, folks, to another episode of The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. You know, uh, we're coming up on uh, the 200th episode of this. And just a little background. I started this program in the middle of COVID because I was bored, <laughs> quite frankly. I wanted somebody to talk to. And I wanted some, you know, I wanted to talk to people that were really interesting. And I've been fortunate enough just in my career to have met a whole lot of folks. And over the yeah, more than, uh, well, company approaching 200 episodes now, uh, we've had some fascinating conversations going on. So as you're listening to this, I want you to, I mean, this is you know, a request on my side. Um, let people know about the, the, the program. Yeah. Yeah. And if there's things that you like on this, uh, this episode in particular, feel free to comment on it. It's going to be posted up on all of the regular platforms as well as my YouTube channel. So that being said, just kind of a little preamble there. Um, Interesting guests. Uh, today we have got one of those creatures, <laughs> if I could use that. Uh, Lon Fan uh, has been on the show before. She was one of my uh, early guests uh, on the show uh, as the founder of the Community of Seven. Um, but she's got some other stuff going on. And back then when we talked, uh, it was, I, I loved that conversation. I, I just, I mean, it still remains one of my favorite episodes. Um, but I wanted to have her back on the show now. She's got a new book coming out that uh, I wanted to be able to get in front of you um, as kind of a pre-launch gift, you know, so to speak. And this um, book is yeah, organized around, and this is just my take on it, and uh, I'll, I'll talk a little bit of, about you know, who Lon is here in just a minute. But Practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes habits. And I you know, harp on that with the clients with whom I work. Yeah, you know, you've got to practice being the person that you want to be in order to have the kind of things that you'd like to have, do or be. So, you know, how do you become that person? Well, it's through practice. It's through practice. And most of us don't have a clue what we're actually practicing on a daily basis. Now, Lon um, is a I mean, she truly is. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just kind of you know, default to a cheat sheet here. Um, she is actually one of the premier uh, coaches, uh, thought leaders, voices in global peak performance. How do you actually achieve peak performance in life? Um, she's a Harvard and Stanford trained leadership educator and author. She's been featured in the Harvard Business Review, uh, Forbes, Money Magazine, and her new book, Do This Daily. Secrets to Finding Success, Happiness, and Purpose in Work and Live comes out April the 2nd. April the 2nd. So we're getting a little bit of a jump start on this. You're going to be able to pre-order it, and she'll be able to talk a little bit about how that might work as well. So, Lon, welcome back to the show. It's great to have you back. Thank you so much for having me. And I have to say, you, uh, you know, I've had a lot of interviews in between, but you have by far been one of my favorite planes. So thank you so much. You have, you're such a thoughtful host. And um, I think you yourself are, are an inspiration. Well, thank you for saying that. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, you know, we can talk a little bit about community of seven, cause that's still kind of a, a big thing in your life. I know. Uh, but I want to, you know, kind of organize more about what we're doing around the book because I, yeah, I've been working a lot lately uh, in 
working with my clients around the notion of sustainable success in life. How do you actually sustain success? Yeah, is there a secret code that you can crack? Um, and I actually believe that there actually kind of is. Uh, and I've got a whole program mm -hmm. around that, and we won't get into that at all. Um, but this this idea of do this daily. Now, I'm going to ask you to weave what you've been exploring with the book and what you've written about into the core question that I usually ask uh, in this uh, program is when you hear the term the soul of business, what does that evoke, particularly when you think about it in terms of finding success, happiness and purpose for work and life? How's that for a lead in? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, first, I, I love that question. And I, I really believe, you know, being a CEO of my own company, that the soul of any business is really its people. And its people all have values, you know. And I think the origins of this book is really kind of centered around that, too, which is, what is my reason for being? Mm -hmm. Why was I put on this earth? And that's said as an individual, but also companies as well. What is our collective reason for being? Why is this company here? What problem are we trying to solve? Because at the end of the day, if a company can't answer that question, why are we here and what problem are we trying to solve? Then there's really no purpose of that business. If, your bus if you, the purpose of your business is just to make money, there is, that business is not sustainable. Right. Because pretty soon you're not going to have customers. Pretty soon you're not going to have employees. So I, I definitely think the, the soul of any business is its people. And the people are the ones that kind of guide that with what their missions are and what their values are. So, you know, just kind of picking up on that thread. Um, Every organization, and I don't you know, you know, really care what the size of it is, but every organization, whether it's a business or a family or um, a mm -hmm. country club or yeah, even a neighborhood, uh, is nothing more than a collection of people that are in relationship. That's, that's all yeah. any organization fundamentally comes down to being. And to the degree that relationships are working well, you got a pretty good shot, I think, at being successful. Now, the most obvious relationship that are visible are the interpersonal relationships, but people still have relationships with process. With uh, They have relationship with goals, objectives, values. They have relationship mm -hmm. with literally anything and everything that comprises that, the universe of that particular organization. Um, and therein, I think, lies the rub because we bring to our relationship, yeah, an existing mindset that has been habituated over time. Our view of the world mm -hmm. is literally looked at through a lens that's informed by family history, um, by, you know, you just kind of, you know, fill in the blanks, uh, values, belief systems, all kinds of things that I've learned growing up, expectations, mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. And as a consequence of that, I, I end up behaving in certain ways and I end up behaving in certain ways religiously. I get up on the same side of the bed every morning. Yeah. I put my fuzzy yeah. slippers on. I go yeah, into the kitchen and make my coffee with uh, you know, the same kind of you know, ritual that I usually would use. And I put it in the same cup, my favorite coffee cup. And I've got one. Yeah. So we've got all of these habituated ways, behaviors, uh, these ways of doing things. Um, these mm -hmm. are daily habits that actually end up creating who we are. 
as well as creating the view of which, you know, you know, through which we look at the world. In your book, and, and this is kind of something that I'm interested in, what, yeah, you know, what, first of all, what was the catalyst for you writing this book? Yeah. yeah. Daily practices. Yeah. Daily habits. So, so we have to kind of go back to the very beginning, which is actually when I spoke to you, right? Um, so I had just gotten laid off from Fortune magazine. And also, thank you so much for that beautiful introduction. Here's the thing. You know, I accomplished a lot, went to these Ivy League schools, got the C-suite title. And on the surface, I should be happy, right? But I wasn't. You know, even with all those so-called accomplishments, concealed an ugly truth. And it was that, you know, despite all the titles and all this, you know, the, the so-called accomplishments, I was miserable. Mm-hmm. I was working late at night. I was traveling 80% of the time. I barely saw my daughter. Um, I was getting maybe three to five hours of sleep, ate like crap, and I was suffering from depression. Then I got laid out, laid off. And I realized that while I was climbing this proverbial ladder of success in corporate America, you know, I was not living a life that was true to myself. Right. And what's worse is that I would go home to my husband and my daughter, and I felt like I was failing as a mother. I felt like an imposter. I felt like a fraud. And it was at that point where I was literally depressed and figuring out what's next that my daughter woke me up and just said, Mom, I love you even without a job. And that was kind of the start of me saying, realizing that I was being selfish and I was playing the victim role. And I no longer wanted to feel like a victim and that I owed it to my daughter and to those I love to get out of this hole. And what I started to really figure out was that I I really had no idea who I was. And I've always said I've been searching all my life to figure out why was I put, why did God put me on this earth? Yeah. And I realized I never stopped and asked what brings me joy, what brings me happiness. And I started doing that. And I figured out what my core values were. And my core values was my family, my friends who are my chosen family, um, my faith, being of service to others, and freedom. And none of the jobs I had before, I had prior, fulfilled any of those core values of mine. So I went on this journey of figuring out what matters most to me and what's most important is start to live those values. And so when I created Community of Seven, at first I really focused on executives, CEOs, and founders, and I taught them this program that's in my book, um, Do This Daily, How to Find Success, Happiness, and Purpose in Work and Life. And I realized that my journey was a little bit different because what I really wanted to do was be of service and help more people than people who are already successful. And so I shift the whole mission of my company and 98% of my time is on free courses, free micro learnings, free let's talks, YouTube channels. And then finally this book. And then I stopped doing the membership side, focusing just on executives. 
because I realized that I had to shape my life and align it with my values. Yeah. Because life is like a GPS. If you don't have the address, that GPS is worthless to you. How do you expect to go from point A to point B if you don't have an address? And most of us are living the same way. Yeah. We don't know what matters to us. We don't know what brings us joy. What are your core values? And the thing is, some people are able to get to where they want by not having a clear vision, but it's going to take a lot longer mm -hmm. and you're going to have some pitfalls. You might run off the road, right? So I wrote this book really with this goal of helping people find out and answer the question of why was I put on this earth? And more importantly, how do I live that life? Mm -hmm. How do I create the right mindset? And, you know, I'm a firm believer that we focus so much on like these big overnight transformations, but most transformation just starts with the decision. Yeah. And then from there, it just goes by taking small steps forward each day. You know, I think of Lao Tzu and his quote, a journey of, of a thousand miles begins with one step. And I think each of us, if we just focus on that one step, transformation and change becomes a lot easier. Because I always say to people, change is simple, but it's not easy. <laughs> because when, it, when you break it down, there's only two ways to change your life. It's what you t put in your life and what you take out. What do you delete? What do you add? And that's the process of, you know, making transformation in our lives, being very clear with the vision of your, the life you want to live, and then starting to act upon it in terms of the daily decisions we make. You know, that idea of, of take that first step and the, and the difficulty with change is it's easy to talk about and it's hard to implement. Um, I'm going to come back to this whole notion of relationship. I have a relationship with my way of doing things. And the problem with change mm -hmm. isn't typically the change itself. It's the disruption to relationships that change causes. And if I'm not paying attention, I, in, in this, you know, this happens with New Year's resolutions all the time. We try to change ourselves. You know, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to, you know, all that oh. stuff. But what we don't pay attention to is what's the relationship I have with weight? What's the relationship I have more specifically with food? And, you know, just using that as an example. And if I'm not clear about, I'm going to be, I'm going to be disrupting that relationship with food. I'm probably going to be disrupting my relationship with moving through exercise. It's the relationship mm -hmm. disruption that comes into play here. Now, in your book and in your approach, you know, you bring in psychology and neuroscience. Uh, is, is, there, is there a concept you know, you know, that you can talk about that's particularly impactful from your perspective around uh, personal development, you know, kind of that whole notion of yeah. shift something here. Well, yeah, definitely. I mean, if you step back, um, the average human has between 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts a day. Of those, 80% um, are negative and 95% are repetitive. Yep. So we're basically replaying these scenarios and these stories in our heads. And you know, we as humans, if you look in psych psychology, have a negativity bias. And we have a negativity bias because, you know, back when we were being chased by saber-toothed tigers, we needed to make quick life and death decisions. We all know this, right? All, all yep. of us 
<laughs> who are into self-help understand this, right? And so in our guts, we we gravitate towards a negative because we needed to know the difference uh, between a poisonous berry and one that was safe to eat. And so we're looking for the negative. We are programmed to look for the negative. And so that might have worked when we were thinking about like life and death situations and we were hunters and gatherers and we were walking, you know, 15 miles, five miles a day, but we're sedentary in front of our computers. That same like stress that we feel when we have a deadline or when we react to traffic while we're driving, you know, releases the same, you know, cortisol stress hormones in our bodies. And it's impacting the decisions we make. And it's a reason why you pick that Dorito and you put it in your mouth because that releases dopamine and you're less stressed. Now you're talking right? my language. <laughs> yes, I love Doritos too. But but part of that is we're trying to mask those un uncomfortable feelings we have. And I think part of that self-discovery in terms of the why is really being tapping into why is this important to me? So I, I love that analogy you used, Blaine, of New Year's resolution, because we have all made them and we've all broken them. I think like 80% of people have broken their New Year's resolution by week two. And the reason why is that we focus on the, the result. Mm -hmm. I want to lose 10 pounds. I want to get a boyfriend. I want to, you know, um, run a marathon. But we, what we need to do is really tap into the why. Yeah. Why is this important to me? When you're able to tap into that why, and the same thing with companies, right? Companies will have values and mission statements posted on their walls, but their workers don't live and breathe it right. because they're just on the walls. You have to understand, t uh, tap into the why. And that why, like, for example, just using that example of losing 10 pounds, you could just say, well, I want to lose 10 pounds. You know, I want to fit in my clothes. But your why has to be bigger than that. Like for me, I didn't start changing until I understood that my why was not losing 10 pounds. It was to be able to, you know, be with my, my daughter when she gets married. To mm -hmm. see her walk down the aisle. And for me to do that, I needed to take care of my health. And when you could tie that why, once again, your values with why you're doing something and build the habits around that, yeah. right? Um, for example, one of the things I did in terms of exercise, you know, um, systems was walk five minutes, two minutes. It didn't matter how long. Walk every time I finished a meal. So after a meal, it didn't have to be a mile. It could literally be a block. It could be walking out the door. Usually if I walked a block, it would turn into a mile. But I made that a habit. And that habit was not because I wanted to lose weight. It was because I wanted to walk my daughter down the aisle or see her grow old. I wanted to be there for her. Mm -hmm. And I tapped into that, why is this important to me? My mother right now is 87 and she's dying of dementia. Mm, I want sorry. to be a sound mind for my daughter yeah. and for my health. That's my reason for being. And then I basically had to create the habits because it has to be done consistently. If you look at 
my book, it's it's really based under four four main secrets. Let me tell you the truth. They're not secrets. All of us know this, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm just here to remind you. The first one really is what matters most to you? What's important? Those are your core values. The next step is actually how do you live them? How do they become your North Star where it informs every decision you have from the foods you eat to the mate you choose to the friends you associate with to the jobs you take to the clients you take, right? Mm -hmm. Your core values. From there, it's about having the mindset, right? Believing that you can, believing that you can change, believing that you are capable because all of us have to let go of the stories that have been told by other people. I think of Bonnie Ware, the palliative nurse uh, yeah. who wrote the book, the, the five lessons of the dying, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the number one lesson was, I wish I had lived a life that was authentic to me and not what others wanted from me. Mm-hmm. And part of that is letting, once again, transformation is about letting go and adding. So letting go the negative stories that have been told to us, you can't do this. Um, You know, you have to be a doctor, a lawyer, right? You're not a good speaker. You're not a good writer. And then adding the things that bring you joy, bring that makes you happy, that makes your heart sing, right? That's, that's transformation. Adding the things that don't work. Taking out things that don't work and adding the things that are moving you towards who you want to be. And the third part is really about uh, transformation is about doing the consistency, doing things daily, right? Yep. And the last part is how do you become? You become by being the person who deserves what you want to be, Mm -hmm. right? People want to fall in love. They want a dream partner. But are you willing to be the person that deserves that love? Yeah. I always say love is a, is a verb. People think love is a noun. I want love. <laughs> but love is how you treat people. And if you treat people poorly and expect to be loved, you're in for a bad surprise. <laughs> If you right. treat yourself poorly and expect to be loved or expect to find love, exactly, not going to work. That love starts with you always. Yeah. There's nobody out there and nothing out there except me. Yeah. As it is within, so it is without. Um, yeah. That whole, you know, epistemology. There's, um, we're going to take a real quick break here. When we come back, I, I, there, there's a couple of things that you mentioned that I want to touch base on in the time that we have remaining, because I think that it's uh, going to be very useful for our listeners uh, to be able to leverage. So, folks, we'll be right back talking with Lan Fan. And Do This Daily is uh, the new book that is coming out April 2nd. And we're going to continue this exploration here in just a The nature of life is evidenced in nature. Nature grows, and all of nature honors the desire to be more, to have more, and to do more. Life thrives when it's allowed to grow. And ideally, thriving is what we also, all of us, want to be able to do. Unfortunately, at some stage in life, most people find themselves settling into what I can only call a rut. And a rut is nothing more than a coffin with the ends kicked out. You want to quickly get out of any rut that you find yourself in. 
when you stop growing, that's when the coffin starts to appear. You know, the simple truth is this, and this is true for everything in nature. You're going to die. I'm going to die. Every one of us dies. So the question we need to come to grips with is not, are we going to die? The question nature asks us to answer is, are we truly living? That's what motivation is about. It's the desire to move. It's the desire to grow and to excel. Have I lived? How have I lived? I'd love for you to take advantage of my Leadership Mindset Masterclass. It's all about providing you with the tools to ensure thriving for yourself and for those around you. Register today to receive the free introduction video and find out more about this acclaimed program. You'll also receive a copy of my international number one bestseller, Compassionate Capitalism, A Journey to the Soul of Business. I'm Blaine Bartlett, and I look forward to helping you thrive. Welcome back, folks. Um, before we took a break, uh, Lon had said a couple of things that I uh, you know, kind of keyed on, and I wanted to uh, do a little bit deeper dive on them. Um, and you know, one of them had to do with just the nature of uh, how we end up changing over time. Um, and you actually mentioned a couple of different things, you know, modifying a mindset and whatnot. But the idea of uh, habituation, how we actually you know, develop new habits, uh, is through the activity of, uh, well, not through the activity, through repetitive activity. You know, kind of you know, setting yourself up. It's not one and done. There has to be repetition, and you know, which makes sense because this is how mindset gets developed. You know, you know, mindset gets developed through, as you mentioned here, we've got the same thoughts that run through our heads. Uh, about 80% of them are the same thoughts that we had yesterday and the same thoughts we'll have tomorrow. And it's that repetition that ends up developing the sense of identity, who I am, what I can do, that sort of thing. So the idea of repetition becomes absolutely crucial in my experience, to being able to shift and to be able to be something different, I have to actually start to think something different. Um, what's a practical exercise on your side? You, know, you you talked about getting up after dinner and taking a walk here, but <laughs> is there something that you can, uh, a favorite exercise, a favorite practice of yours that you have repetitively uh, engaged in over time that has had a very specific, tangible outcome to it. Yeah. So I, I've studied studied this, especially when I was at Stanford with a lot of the, some of the best psychology professors around. Um, and one of my favorite is, he wasn't there when I, I was an undergrad, but B.J. Fogg. Oh, B.J. Fogg, um, yes. And he wrote yes. the, <laughs> the, the book on uh, tiny habits. Yep. And he has this great, great um, kind of story about I hate that we're going back into losing weight, but how he wanted, you know, he, he, he saw he was a little bit pudgy and he was like, how do I lose five pounds? I mean, like this little pudge between my waist. And so what he started doing was after he would go to the bathroom, the toilet, he would do 10, um, pushups. Right. Interesting. Okay. Like 10 pushups. And, you know, how many times do you go to the bathroom a day? Maybe 10, 15 times. But like, you know, you basically have a stimulus, go to the bathroom. And then he would add it with a, a positive habit. Um, you know, 
do push-ups. For me, like linking something that you already do. So mm-hmm. I brush my teeth every day, two, sometimes three times a day, adding a habit that aligns with, you know, maybe listen to a podcast, maybe read one page. I think the key thing is you want momentum. And I think That's the problem with New Year's resolutions and such is that we try to make these huge change. You know, I want to be healthy, so I'm going to go run a marathon. When sometimes it might be as easy as maybe the goal shouldn't just be run a marathon. Maybe you should just focus on getting new tennis shoes. After you get your ne- ne- your tennis shoes, the next thing is to walk a block. Once you finish a block, do two blocks. And just kind of add that that notion, because we're all busy. And what happens is when we're not perfect, we give up. Mm-hmm. We We are in a society in the U.S. where we expect perfectionism. And, you know, what is that whole adage, you know, um, uh, go big, go home. Yeah, go big or go home. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yep. And sometimes I can encourage people to just do the bare minimum. Yeah. And just keep on. The key is being consistent. Who do you want to be? I want to be a writer. Okay. So the goal isn't to write a book and be a New York Times bestselling author. The goal is today, I'm going to write one page. The next day, maybe I'll write five and 10. And I create these habits so that, you know, the goal isn't to write a book. The goal is to be a writer. And to be a writer, you need to write every day. I think of this uh, analogy from James Clear, um, who wrote Atomic Habits, Atomic which Habits. is an amazing book. You should all go and read it. And I'm sure most people, especially your viewers, have read it. And he talks about the Seinfeld uh, you know, story. Mm-hmm. And a young comedian had went to Seinfeld. You know, and as you know, Seinfeld is one of the most successful comedians ever. Oh. You know, And this young comedian went up to him and said, how did you become so successful? And he was waiting for like this profound answer. Seinfeld just says, don't break the chain. This guy is scratching his head and saying, don't break the chain. What do you mean? And he basically kind of drew out on a calendar and he said, every day on a calendar, you know, like I would write a, write jokes for five minutes. They didn't have to be good, bad, but I would write for five minutes. And every day after I wrote for five minutes, I would put an X on the calendar. And the goal was to not break the chain. Right. So at the end of 30 days, he would have all of the X's. And the goal was not to have back-to-back days of not writing. And we get better through that repetition. We get better through, you know, I, I think of the quote too, um, be brave enough to suck at something new, right? <laughs> yep. You have to get past that initial stage of judgment and worrying whether we're going to be good or not and just do it and get messy and just have fun with it and just every day we get better and better to to you know Seinfeld right where he becomes one of the best at his craft just by doing it every day and I also think of when I was a freshman at Stanford University and I was like I suck as a writer (laughs) and my professor said don't be so hard on yourself. Just write for the wastebasket. Mm-hmm. Meaning, just write. Don't expect perfection. Just write for the wastebasket, and pretty soon you'll get better. Yeah. You write every day until you get better. Yep. Right? Yeah. And we put these notion of like, oh, I need to be 
the next James Clear. I need to do this. And sometimes good enough is good, you know, great. And you just keep on doing it until you become great at what you do. Yeah. You know, you know, the whole notion of you know, comparison, comparison to some ideal. Comparison is a great place to start, but it's a horrible place to live. Yeah, uh, kind of yeah. comes to mind here. And comparison is the theme of joy. <laughs> it, it, absolutely, it is. And yeah, you're talking. You know, you've mentioned a couple of different times some of these uh, sayings that you know, are, are common in our in our culture. Uh, go big or go home. Uh, yeah, one. Yeah, my, yeah. It's uh, those sorts. Yeah, you know, I am my results. Yeah, you know, which you know, it's kind of like, wow. Well, that one get me in yeah. trouble real quick. Well, think about how important language is, right, Blaine? Mm-hmm. Um, the whole notion in the U.S. of perfectionism. Yep. In Japanese culture, there's a terminology called wabi-sabi. Wabi-sabi. Which is finding appreciation and beauty in imperfection. Yep. And if we are a culture where we don't have that definition or that vocabulary, how how do we as a society view success and creation and creativity, innovation requires failure, requires mm-hmm. risking. Because the only way you can fail, can't fail, is to not get out of bed. Because if you can't get out of bed, you're not going to fail for that day, but you're not going to go very far. You're not going to go very far. You know, in my yeah. study, uh, I read uh, Neville Goddard, I read Thomas Troward, I, I read a number, of, uh, there's always something I'm studying. You and me, I, that's why I like you. <laughs> Well, one of the things that I was reading today was a little passage out of a a very obscure piece of uh, Goddard's work. And I've actually got it in front of me right now. Man's ignorance of the future is the result of his ignorance of his inner talking. And Mm, that, I mean, when you start to unbundle that in terms of how do I create success in life, how I describe something determines how I experience it, how I experience it generates my behavior. The place mm-hmm. to start is never at the behavior. The place to start no. is at that inner conversation. And again, I kind of go back to what you said a little bit ago. Yeah, you know, we've got you know, upwards of sixty plus thousand thoughts a day that kind of you know ramage through our <laughs> through our, mm-hmm. our brains. Eighty yeah. percent of them are the same. Most of them are negative in some way, shape, or form. If I'm not aware of that inner talking, I'm dead in the water. I really am. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. to, to to move someplace else. I'm yeah. It's it's not going to be uh, an easy task until I begin to shift this, become aware yeah. of first of all, and then notice, and then begin to do something about what I'm noticing on that inner talking. And it becomes a vicious cycle too, yep. because if we tell the story that the world is an evil place and that people are out to hurt me, you know that our reticular activating system yep. is looking for that validation. Yeah. And so we treat people a different way. We look at people a different way. And so they end up treating us and proving us right. Absolutely. Right. So we're yep. basically creating our re- reality by through our language, these stories that we tell Story. ourselves. Yeah. The, the, I, mean, I love that you bring in the reticulator, uh, reticulator you know, system here. Yeah. I was working with a client the yeah. other day, uh, highly successful. I mean, yeah. Well, you know, worth well, well north of a hundred million dollars. I mean, this is success is not an yeah. issue with this guy in the traditional sense, but we were looking at you know, some other aspects of being successful in life, which included relationships, you know, primary, secondary, you know, close you know, relationships. And as he was talking, I could notice his vision. You know, he, he started, you know, 
brow started to furrow a bit. Yeah, the little muscles around the eyes you know, started mm -hmm. to constrict. And physiologically, that narrowing of vision is very interesting because mm -hmm. the, you know, it impinges on the optic nerve. The optic nerve you know, you know, locks directly mm -hmm. into the parasympathetic nervous system. And all of a sudden, I've got cortisol that I'm dealing with because it's this move. <laughs> this move is there's danger out here. I need to be wary. Where is it? What's going on? Yeah. And it was completely out of his awareness, completely out of his noticing. So for him, and this was a daily, and just check this with you in terms of uh, some of the mm -hmm. things that you're doing with your book. The daily practice I've got him playing with right now is to begin paying attention to these ocular muscles, these, these tiny little muscles around his eyes. Mm -hmm. and soften mm -hmm. his gaze. Just kind of, when you notice your focus, just start to expand the peripheral vision and notice yeah. what that does physiologically with your system. And he's beginning to report, yeah, breathing is dropping, shoulders are dropping. Yeah, his the physiology is starting to change. And yeah. all of that is allowing him to be visibly an invitation for people to come to. and. Yeah, there, yeah. There, that that softening, that energetic softening, is it becomes an invitational yeah. move before he ever opens his mouth. <laughs> and yeah. I mean, it's it, sorry, keep going. No, no. I'm just, so as when people think about daily habits, they think about you know pretty common things. There are subtle things. things here that you can yeah. begin to do that are unique to yourself if you can begin to notice. What what are some of the triggers that keep me locked into yeah. what I'm doing and how I'm being? One of the most powerful things you can do to change your life is to focus on your breathing. Yep. As simple as that, right? Because I love the example that you had used about his eyes kind of just squinting. and Because back when we were being chased by saber-toothed tigers mm -hmm. or we were afraid of the, our surroundings, What's the first thing we did? We stopped breathing Yep. because we didn't want to alert the animals out there that we were there. So we, we got really still, got quiet, right? And so the act of breathing is saying that I'm safe. Yeah. Yep. What's the first thing you do when you get that ugly email from your boss at five, five in the morning, you stop breathing. Yeah. So the simple act of breathing can sometimes be life-changing. Because you're, you, you, when you breathe, you're focusing on your breath. You're in that moment. You're not thinking about the stressors of the past um, or the future stress, uh, you know, things that might happen in the future. You're thinking about the present moment. You're thinking about that breath. Yeah. And so that simple act of breathing is life-changing. Folks, if you want your life changed, get Lon's new book. How's that for a segue? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> the new book, uh, you, you will not go wrong with this. Um, the, uh, the book is rich. It comes out April 2nd. Where can people, uh, get, you know, pre-order I'm assuming you know, on your website or. Oh yeah. You can find it anywhere. Books you, where you buy books, Barnes and Nobles, Amazon, um, porch light, has it um yeah so and then it will just and it's going to be um hardback paperback and then i'll do an audio probably hopefully soon soon okay the book is do this daily do this daily secrets for finding success happiness and purpose in work and life so um 
Lon, I want to thank you very much for being a repeat guest here. Uh, this has been a great conversation. I, and I know it's great because we went longer than my, my allotted 30 minutes here, which I, <laughs> I like to work with. So, uh, I, yeah, I mean, I'd love to have you back at some point in time after the book launch just to kind of see how it's going, that sort of thing as well. Yeah. But uh, how can people get a hold of you specifically? Is there a website that they can go to? Yeah, you could go to my personal website, Lanfan, so L-A-N-P-H-A-N dot C-O, not C-O, C-O dot co, um, and communityofseven.com, or on, find me on LinkedIn. I post daily. So one of my m- notions of trying to change people's lives is I post daily on Community of Seven. So Perfect. I call them micro-learnings. <laughs> <laughs> they are. They are micro-learnings. I, I, yeah. I actually subscribe to yeah. it. So, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Folks, thank you for listening. Uh, this is Blaine Bartlett, uh, your host of Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. Find a way in your life to be a center of distribution, not a center of accumulation. Uh, that's how nature works. And uh, if you're working that way too, you're going to probably be in a pretty good place. Until next time, we'll see you then. Take care. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.